This is Quit, a podcast about change, the challenges of improving your career, making tough decisions, and starting something awesome. My name is Dan Benjamin. It's Friday, June 17th, 2016. This is episode number 94. Hattie Cook, welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? I'm doing great. How's everything going with you today? Oh, good. Just had a little fire drill. Yeah, I heard you were evacuated. I heard you were evacuated. I was, eva- I was evacuated from my, uh, my fortress of solitude right here. Yeah, that's not good. And we were just about to record. Actually, we had just started to record. I was about to do the famous quit intro. <laughs> and then... And we... Yeah, we heard these weird sort of sirens. Like, and immediately you said, oh, that's the, the diamond the guy next door. Right, like he set off his alarm. <laughs> right. But that is not the case. No, the whole building evacuated out. Yes. And, and uh, as we... I felt like we were in uh, grade school again. Right, you said that to me. You said, oh, right, now we have to cro- go across the street. Right, they like you across the street from... From where you, from where the building is, I don't remember any of the. But grade did you school see everyone rules. do it naturally? I and did. everyone's in what would you say, thirties, forties, fifties? There were some twenty something in, in there. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying, like twenty to fifty. Yeah. And everyone just naturally went across the street and stood and kind of in a line formation. I was very, I was like proud of the human race. <laughs> We've been trained. We've been <laughs> we trained. Really have. And it was weird because, like, I didn't, I didn't remember it. You remembered. That this was part of our training. I didn't even remember that I had been trained. I'm just like, yeah, we got to go across the street. I didn't even think about why. Well, I didn't really think about it. Like I saw everyone across the street. I was like, that's a good idea. And then I was like, oh, right. We're taught that. (laughs) Supposed to do. (laughs) Someone remembered. Father's Day is coming up this Sunday. Isn't that this weekend? Father's Day. Uh, Yeah, 19th. What is today? Today is the 17th. Yeah, Yeah, so Sunday. So I'll be uh, doing something. My kids are working hard not to spill the beans on whatever is planned. I kind of know what it is. Well, my, my son does not do a good job of keeping things <laughs> secret. Does he get too excited? He gets very excited, and then and then he tries to cover it up. So, like, let's say let's I, let's say we were going bowling. We're not, but let's say bowling was the activity. He'll <laughs> yeah. be like, you know, I'll be like, we're hey, not you know, going bowling, right? Yeah, I'll say I'll say something like, oh, cool, you could bring that bowling with us. And then he like he gets quiet and he's like, if I mean if we were ever going to go bowling, we're not doing that. It's that's not what we're doing this weekend. I'm like, it's not? No, that's not what we're doing this weekend. <laughs> we're not going bowling. No, we're not going to go bowling. It's just in case we ever do go bowling, you could you could wear that hat. Like, okay. But that yeah, that's what that he's once. done in the past, and he's not he's getting better. When I was younger, I did that once. I kind of almost spoiled a surprise that my dad had for my mom. He was getting her like a, I think it was like their 20th or 30th wedding anniversary or something like that. And I was like, oh, yeah. And that looks so good, like with your new ring. And I was like, Uh, uh, I mean, (laughs) I don't know how I got out of that. But you know what? I'm sure she already knew. Yeah. You know (laughs) what? She probably already knew, but you didn't get out of it. No. It knowing, seems knowing like you're me, really covering your tracks when you're about eight years old, too. Like, nah, he'll never know. He'll never like, know. That, that worked out. That'll be fine. <laughs> That'll work. They'll understand that. Right. <laughs> well, I, you know, do you sound weird in the headphones? Like a little yes, echoey? I sound That's because I've far got us plugged away. right into the main board kind now. Of far away. Yeah. This, is, this thing is better right here. That's crazy that I just it has hate that having it on my desk like that. Well, we're going to have to go back to it, aren't we? Yeah. Because this doesn't Not sound Not for right. this episode, maybe, yeah. but. It's been a while since we've done one of these. 94, we've only got uh, got a handful left after this before the show's done forever. 
But that doesn't mean don't invest in it. This is the time that we're relying on you guys more than ever. So if you want to have your question answered on the show, you want to talk to me about it, the best way to do that is to go to 5x5.tv slash contact, click on the link to quit, and it'll send an email to me with the right subject line so that I will see it and I'll be able to answer your questions. You know, there's a, there's a woman. We were, uh, we were talking about this just the other day. What is that show last week tonight? Yes, with and John they a, Oliver. They had a segment on that show where sometimes they'll find funny clips talking about other people and, and, and other people from other shows. I'll have a clip. And there's this woman. Oh, and who, now this. Yeah. What was her name? The, the woman that they had? Uh, on Susie. I don't know. Or hold on. Look her up. Yeah. She's... People call into her show <laughs> and, and say, should I buy this or something? Yes. Yes. Um... And they asked about the most ridiculous things to buy. And it occurred to me as I was watching. Have you seen this segment of the Susie show? Susie Orman. Susie. Yes. S-U-Z-E. Susie. Yeah. Orman. Put her into the uh, the show notes. Show notes are going to be at 5x5.tv slash quit slash 94. But she has a show, apparently the, the a part of the show at least, if not maybe it's the whole show, Yeah, is that people call in. Can I in, afford it? That's what it's called. People call in and, and ask her if they can afford something. The answer is, if you're asking if you can afford it, the answer is no. Right. The answer is always no. Right, because if you know you can afford it, you're not going to... You're not going right. to. What did you do? Turn me down. Turn me up. Oh, okay. Because the way this sounds sounds like I'm I in know. a little. Sounds sound like I'm really? in a sounds like I'm in a, a tin can or something <laughs> right, like that. Or this. like in a super padded room where no right. sound ever. Really. So if every anyone's listening, this is what I sound like to myself right now. Hi, how are you doing? Very earnest in a tin can. Yeah. Anyway, people call up and they say, "Oh shit, I want to, I want to go and get some kind of, you know, crazy certification. I want to go on a trip, or I want to buy <laughs> the this elf certification. I want to buy this fifteen hundred dollar purse. Should I? Can I afford it? No. Yeah. Also, don't call and ask about a Louis Vuitton purse. I'm sorry. No. I mean, if you if you wonder <laughs> if you can afford it, the answer is no. Yeah. But it I always agree. amazes me, Hattie Cook, what people are are interested in or willing to spend their money on, especially when they don't have the money to do it. This just always shocks me. It always surprises me that people just spend and spend. That's why we have this incredible problem with debt. You know, when I was 21 years old, I think I made less than $30,000 a year and I was rich. I was rich. Now, I can make 10 times that if I was lucky. I could make 10 times that and I wouldn't wouldn't know. I, 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 I wouldn't feel rich at all. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. I had, you know, like I had a little, especially when I was coming out of college and, uh, and I was, I, you know, I had like, I had like in college, like I had everything figured out. Like I had, I basically ate hot dogs, tuna fish, grape nuts, cereal, <laughs> and a fancy dinner would be like a healthy choice TV dinner. And I was saving money. But when you get kids and you get mortgages, you get cars, you get other expenses, you get ta- all this other all taxes and running a business and you could make 10 times what you made just coming out of college and you don't feel as rich as you did at 21. It's amazing to me. And I remember a friend of mine, I think I've told this story before, he was making way more money than I was. And he was like a, a very senior software developer. And he, basically he was poor because his wife I'm not I'm not doing a thing about women and right. men and I'm saying his particular wife not wives in general you right. know but Just, his particular wife would spend every penny they had if money came in she had it spent wow and it I 
it was tough to say. I, I have another friend. They're double income, husband and wife. They both make a decent living. And they're, they don't have debt. They don't have college debt. It's all that's paid off. But like they feel like they can never get ahead, you know? And they don't spend extravagantly. And that's just the situation that we're in. It's a, that cost of living. Saving is really hard. It is really hard. <laughs> it's very easy to spend a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit here, a little bit there. 20 and, bucks, like 20 bucks on lunch or something. That really, that really eats away at your butt. Plug me in. You want me to plug yes. in? All right. Hand me your, hand me your thing. She, I just had to switch plugs. I sound like a human being again. I'm out of the little... Is that that this headphone amplifier makes that much difference, huh? You would think that the one in the uh, in the Apollo would be number one, but it's not. What were you in two? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, better. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. All right, we'll yeah. edit out this whole show. Would never air. <laughs> I bought all that all of that out. And I'll tell you, I've been doing I've been doing a lot of reading. One of the things I've been reading a lot about is uh, I bought a book. Not because I want to try and employ this in my daily life, but because I'm fascinated about it uh, on persuasion, the yes. art of persuasion. I think that's the name of the book. I'll Pro- put it into probably. the show notes. <laughs> and what's fascinating about this, and there are lots of, there are lots and lots and lots of, there is a book called The Art of Persu- Persuasion. That's not the one I'm reading. The one I'm reading is called Influence, The Psychology of Persuasion. Close enough. I'll put this into the show notes. It's three bucks on Kindle. It's 10 bucks paperback. $161 with unknown binding in case you feel spendy. Oh my gosh. Uh, the book is by Robert B. Cialdini. Cialdini. And uh, they, des- they describe this as the classic book on persuasion. And again, I didn't get this book to try and like sharpen my persuasion skills per se, uh, I got this because, and it's geared a lot toward people who are in marketing, people who are in that kind of thing. And, uh, and, and they talk about how it will drive your level of success and, you know, but it says, it says, here's the little byline, whether you're a mere consumer or someone weaving the web of persuasion to urge others to buy or vote for your product. This is an essential book for understanding the psycho- psychological foundations of marketing. And if you have something to market, and don't we all have something to market these days? They talk about the six principles, Hattie, of ethical persuasion. Reciprocity, scarcity, liking, authority, social proof, commitment, consistency. And you get a chapter on each of these things. And they've broken down influence as a science. Each of these things can be tested. Each of these things can be retested. And you can see how these principles can be applied in, in your work, in your life. They're important ideas. And each of them just, you can use them to accomplish your goals. This is not a book. I'm like manipulation. It's not a book about manipulation. It's not a book about hypnotizing people. It's not a book about getting what you want or using the secret. It's much more basic than that in the sense that you understand how humans perceive, how humans communicate, and you, you kind of understand how things are marketed to you. It's actually like an anti- anti-marketing in a way it is for yourself like you're learning the enemy's tactics i'll I'll lend this book to you afterwards yeah i need it but there is so much 
in this book that's useful for people who think, you know what? Because the way that the problem is, is that we are on automatic pilot all the time. Talk about walking across the street from when we get, why do we do that? Well, you just, that's just what you do. We have, there is the concept introduced in this book of conscious inattention, inattention. Because a lot of the time we're not paying attention or we're paying attention to something else, not what's actually going on right now. Meditation is a great way to learn to pay more attention to things. They did these tests where they had people come in and then they would, I I think they said they would fire a a gun. I don't know if they were firing a gun as much as maybe they were clapping or slamming Mm -hmm. two books together. Or it was a loud enough sound that it was a startling sound. And overwhelmingly people would kind of like duck or dodge or, or quickly jump. But they had some of these Buddhist monks and, and they did the test with them and they didn't really react. They might turn to look, but they didn't have a sudden yeah. reaction to it the same way. That doesn't mean that they were slowed, their instincts were slowed down as much as they were more carefully able to decide what kind what of, what is to. the appropriate reaction for this I was, situation. I was watching something that had to do with body language and I forget who they were looking at, but I think it was either like someone that had been in the military or something like that, or like an agent of some kind. Mm. Uh, And, (laughs) and they, uh, secret agent. Yeah. And they, they said like something that they're trained for is to have very slow reactions to things. Like, so if something happens, you don't want to be like, Oh my gosh, that scared me. You know? Right. You need to be constantly aware and prepared for anything to happen. And when you are constantly always prepared for things like that, you you have more of a time to slow your thinking down and think what the next steps are to get out of that situation. That makes and that's perfect why, sense. You know, that's why people are trained to be in alarming situations all right. the time. Right, So I recommend this book. There's another book that I have been reading. I'll put this one in the show notes. There's another one that I've been reading, It's which is interesting because it says customers who bought this item also bought and then there there's my other book. <laughs> You're one of those customers. I am one of them. Amazon knows me. And this book is called What Everybody is Saying. Not what everybody is saying. What Every... everybody is saying. This is a book by an ex-FBI agent, and he calls it speed reading people. Yes. But what it really talks about is understanding people's body language. Their body language their movements they don't get into the sort of the micro expression it's not a micro expression kind of book it's more look at a person and you can by looking at them you can understand what they are thinking or feeling or telegraphing not necessarily oh is this person lying to me although my understanding is you can do that as well but it allows you to understand a person's feelings, true feelings. And one of the things that it says is here, it says like a person's face is the least likely place to gauge someone's true feelings because we have learned to hide expressing our true feelings right. with our face. But they say the things like eyelids or movements, position of your thumbs. and Position so, of your feet. I right. read that really interesting thing where if you're approaching – uh, like three people talking in a group standing and one person turns their entire body to you and their feet are facing you. Right. 
then they want you included in the conversation. Right. If someone keeps their feet pointed towards the inside of that group, but just turns part of their body, they don't, they don't, they're not really wanting you to be in that sure. conversation. And, you know, and we ignore those subtle cues a lot of the time. But if you pay attention to that kind of thing, we, we, the, the people f- will say things like, oh, I just, I got a weird feeling that they didn't like me. That your, your brain is picking up on those things. There was a video, uh, that that we watched here at the studio that I think it was when President Barack Obama visited Jimmy Kimmel's uh, oh, yeah. show. I forgot we watched that. And um, I'm going to see if I can find... Yeah. There is, uh, there is an analysis of this video and... It is on a website called Open Minds, where there is a guy named Ben Hansen, who is like really good at reading people and and practices the same kind of thing. And whether you care about aliens or UFOs or not, it's interesting to watch this video because he breaks down, and I'll put this in the show notes, he breaks down Obama's recent appearance on Kimmel. It's actually not that recent. It's about a year ago. And what's interesting is, and Hansen used to be in law enforcement and all these other things, and, and he does the same thing. He has Bill Clinton on there, too, and asks Bill Clinton, and, and he analyzes this. Because at, as am I, Jimmy Kimmel is obsessed with UFOs and extraterrestrials. Yes. And so he I feel has, like you and Jimmy Kimmel get along. You no, know, maybe. <laughs> he has these two presidents on and asks them these questions. And what they say, of course, is, oh, there's no aliens, and no, it's not like that. But if you look at their body language and what- what, So interesting. He breaks it down. He does break it down, and he actually goes back and says, look at how he answered this question about, you know- Meaningless questions. Meaningless questions. Look at how he answered a question when he was serious, being truthful and honest, but also serious about something. And look at how he answers here. And it's amazing what their body language says. You can basically ignore everything they're saying. Yeah. And and, (laughs) and, and so here's a fun experiment to do. And I'll lead up to where this is going in relating to like jobs and careers and things like that. If you want to, if you want to watch someone and all of the stuff that has to do with body language. It's all obvious. It's just like what you were saying, your feet pointing towards someone. Mm-hmm. If you look at two people sitting next to each other, are, are they leaning toward each other or, or away, away from each other? Mm-hmm. Are the legs crossed toward the person or away? Are they making eye contact or looking away? Also, are their things- arms crossed or holding themselves or not? Are they touching their hands as a self-soothing gesture or not? None of the, all of these things are obvious to e- the completely uneducated, uninformed person. They're still obvious. So here's what you do. Anytime you're in a situation where you want to read somebody, and I know this sounds wrong, but stop listening to what they're saying. Right. If they're on TV and you're watching it, hit mute or turn the volume down and just watch their body language. If, and this is even trained politicians mess this stuff up and, yeah. and find out because they don't study this. A lot of like covering your mouth right. is like, I don't want to say. Uh-huh. And it, there's such, it's almost like if you were to draw a drawing of, you know, hear no evil see no evil sure, you know monkeys, like that's yeah. it's it's that black and white it's funny right so how does this apply to to the the workplace 
Well, if you're going on a, if you're going on an interview or something and you want to understand how people are you know pe- people are th- what people are thinking of you if they like you if they're going to invite you back i mean you can tell a lot of that by their body language you can tell a lot i know of course people in an interview situation let's say or in a negotiation might be a little bit more stiff or right, trying because they're to trying someone. to be formal mm-hmm. they're trying they're more it, aware of like their hands and totally, things like that yes yep. but you can still i think learn a lot based on those kinds of movements understanding uh, th- that kind of body language so i'm always fascinated by that repression of movements too like if you um if you've ever seen people you know like clench their hands mm-hmm. or things like that they're trying not to uh they're trying to withhold themselves right. from sure. doing something and so you can also read a lot into that as well going to tell our listeners about our first sponsor hattie it's linode linode l-i-n-o-d-e is a hosting company offering high-performance Linux servers for everything, anything you want, anything and everything you want, they've got it. All of 5x5 stuff hosted on Linode. All the stuff for Fireside.io, our our podcast hosting analytics company, our new company that we're starting. All of that hosted on Linode. Linode. Well, of course I did. Who else does it better? No one else does it better. And the way that this works, they're virtual private servers, which are known as VPSs. And these servers live up on uh, on the internet. They've got eight, I think it's eight different data. Yeah, eight data centers in America, Europe, and Asia. You pick the data center that you want. And that's where you put your stuff. You host your stuff there. And you can completely control this server. You set it up the way you want it. You pick the Linux distribution that you want. You configure it the way you want. You get root access to this thing. You can do whatever you want. They have these amazing consoles. I mean, they've got everything, load balancers, everything that you could possibly want. And one of the things that I like to do, especially when it comes to like load balancing and things like that, is you can clone these things so that once you get a server set up the way you want it, in like two clicks, you clone it to another server. You don't have to set two of them up the same way ever again. It's genius. 99.9% 99.9% uptime, 24-7 support experts, all the tools you need to get the job done right the first time. And it starts at only 10 bucks per month. What? Isn't that crazy? Depending on what you want, what you need, and what you use. They made a special URL. I want you to use this URL. Pull your car over to the side of the road right now and go to linode.com slash quit. L-I-N-O-D-E, linode.com slash quit. And use the promo code quit20 and you will get $20 credit. That's crazy. What? They're Could giving be you too 20 much bucks? Free if you do the $10 a month one. Simple, powerful, reliable. Linode.com slash quit. Now, before the show starts, Hattie will email me the sponsor reads. <laughs> yes, did I do something wrong? No, you did, you did it great. And I noticed, I was just going to say right here, in uh, somebody studying up has, has emailed me. Uh, they have been, I think this is a woman's name. She has been studying up on persuasion. She can't do body language over email, but she's been studying up on persuasion. Listen to this incredibly persuasive email solicitation that I just received while I was in my email looking at the sponsor read you sent me. Hi. Next line. My name is Savina and I'm contacting you because I have reasons to believe that you hold a similar domain name. I am wondering if you would have interest in obtaining 
Benjamin Digital Marketing parentheses com from me. Not dot com, parentheses com. Thank you for your time and have a nice day. Exclamation point, Savina. Interesting. So this is someone who's trying to market to me. She understands the power of influence. Maybe yes. I want. See, I have BenjaminDigital.com. Ah. And I think she thinks, you know, maybe he's doing marketing stuff. Right. I want to reach out to him. Right. Digital is one half of digital marketing. That's right. Maybe I really wanted that. You know, that's the worst kind of thing. It shows it's absolutely not how people want to work. Do you remember when that thing came out, Hattie? That was you should. It said you should follow me on Twitter. And some guy. I remember that. I should try and find the original article. You should follow me on Twitter. Some guy said this in a post. Well, and, you know, in sponsor reads, you'll hear things like go now or don't wait and all of that. Here's what it said. It was Dustin Curtis tested the effective language on click-through rates. And he says, making the phrase more direct and personal by adding the words you should increase the click-through rate by 38%. That's insane. He started out with, I'm on Twitter, and eventually increased the click-through rate by more than double by changing the wording, you should follow me on Twitter. Uh, You know, all of this stuff matters the way that you get into somebody's head matters the way that you communicate with people matters but to me i immediately and and strongly resist will you pick up on it you first. should yeah don't tell me and do. you know what everyone started doing it after that and You're people not still do it the boss of me exactly don't tell me what to do i am so i i can guarantee you that not only if you tell me I should follow you, not only will I now never follow you, <laughs> but if I am already following you, I will unfollow you. Right. You've had the ad, the adverse ref, uh, effect. Yes. That the you want to happen. The opposite effect of what they wanted. That's what I'm. That's what I'm having. Yeah, I, I feel that. I way will too. never follow you now. If somebody says you should do this, I'm like, well, I guess I'm never doing that. <laughs> I mean, if 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 someone that you trust, a parent, a friend. Right. Says you should you should really take a look at this. You should do I'll this. I'll be like, okay. But if at a least stranger. then you consider it, right? But why should I? No nobody else who doesn't know me on a very personal level could make a recommendation for me to do something or to not do you know what? I just had that chocolate ice cream. If you haven't tried their dark chocolate, you should really try their dark chocolate, Hattie, because I know, Hattie, that you like dark chocolate ice cream. Right. This was an exceptionally feels, good dark chocolate. Uh-huh. You should try that one. But I'm not going to I'm not going to tell somebody that I don't know that they should do something unless they're asked specifically asking me for advice. And it's when it's self-promotional like this. Yeah, that's even it more smart. It me, man. Yeah. Now, if somebody writes a, an email like these I've got uh, printed out here. And says, and what say, should I do? I'll say, well, here's what you should do. But that's different. Right. They're, they're asking for your advice. Right. You should follow me on Twitter. It's sickening. It's sickening. If you like the content of this post, you should follow me on Twitter for more. No. Well, also that implies I already that know that. I'm going to gain some sort of positive effect on my life by doing the thing that you're telling me to do. Sickening, Hattie. <laughs> You should follow me on Twitter. You should shut up.
<laughs> you should follow me on Twitter here. I just, I, there's something about that that always, and I don't know if it, if it's because I have like this independent streak that I just reject everything. I yeah, don't know. I know that that's why I do it. I just remember <laughs> sitting in school and they'd be like, the teacher would say, okay, everybody turn to page 238. I'd be like, I'm not turning to page 238. Well, I'm never turning see, to page 238. I didn't like. In like I hated that. Big, Every, do kids doing something in synchronicity, all see, following it's the orders. See, synchronicity that I didn't like. I didn't like me. if somebody was like, okay, everyone clap your hands. I'd be like, never, I didn't like that. Never. I didn't like that. <laughs> you know what? I was, I, I was, I was so against it. I was a very dark that. cheerleader. I never wanted to do any of the cheers. I'm much better about it now. I'm much better to go along with it now. But like if everyone's like, clap your hands, you know, and they or want like, you to do something. Or like, when I say this, you say that. I'm like, like, no. That. I don't like that. A good example of that, and maybe it's a programmer thing, I don't know, but at the recent uh, Apple WWDC event, where they had that, oh, yeah. the, the wonderful woman, what's what's her name? She was great. She goes by Boz. Boz. She right? was the one. I don't know. She okay. was the one that came out and did the uh, Apple Music segment. And she was very, very uh, cool woman. Very oh, yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah. And she did everything you could a human could possibly do. That in any other situation would have been amazing. Yes. And in this situation, in front of that audience of incredibly uptight. The audience ruined it, not her. Programmers. <laughs> they would not get into it. No. They were they would not that clap clip their of the hands. guy in the front row that was just sitting just there that sitting was like there. no. <laughs> They would not participate at all with what no. she was doing. They did not want to. Their kind of fun is seeing, you know, what kind of updates are coming to iCloud. Like, that's fun for them. Apple Music and, Dancing and, like, and laughing getting, and no. having fun with music yeah, going. Like, no. when I listen to music, it is when I code. And trust me, like, <laughs> I've been there, too. Like, I've, I understand that. Right. I'm 30% that way. So I totally get it. But, like... They, it, it's not that they were refusing to loosen up. They just can't. <laughs> they just can't. They don't know how. No one's ever shown them. Right. I am relaxed. Right. And <laughs> like, I feel like her entire segment would have worked well, like you were saying, Hattie, like in at any South other by? crowd. Oh, forget gone it. crazy. She would have been the number one at South By. But right. at this conference, they're like, what is she doing I am here? feeling awkward. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Knowing your audience, you know, but that's part of what this influence book teaches you. It talks to you about understanding your audience. One of the things that I learned in, uh, in my tech writing classes in college, the, the number one thing when you sit down to write something, the number one thing is audience analysis. Yep. Who are you writing this for? Who are you giving this talk to? In that way, you could say to her, hey, your talk was like amazing and like you were the one cool person up on the stage. But guess what? <laughs> right. It in that felt, whole room. <laughs> and the media picked up on it. Oh, yeah. The, the media who is are more normal than the programmers out there <laughs> yeah. were trying desperately to find something cool to hook on to at the conference. At this whole keynote, they're like, what was cool? What was good? And like, oh, man, she was awesome. But the, the programmers, I think they were aware that she was awesome. But it but made they them feel awkward. They felt awkward. Because it just made them feel, it made them feel, me included in this, made them feel <laughs> like, oh great, this is like when I had to go to the dance in high school and I didn't know how to move and the DJ and is telling anything. me to do something yeah. and I don't. But this is, understand, now if she had understood her audience better, maybe she would have changed it. I don't know. Or maybe. I thought she was great. 
See, I would, I don't think I would go over well there because I would make a joke about it and be like, come on, y'all are really stiff and like, <laughs> I don't know. Up. I think that would have been funny. But, you know, understanding your audience, understanding, uh, doing that kind of audience analysis, you can do that in any given situation. One of the reasons that I worked really, really well when I was a corporate stooge was that I could go in between the meeting, sitting there with, you know, 10 developers talking to them, communicating to them, understanding in detail the code that they were writing, the challenges that they faced, being able to understand that and understand system administration and computers and networks and all this other stuff. And then I could sit down with our managers and the directors and the people who only understood like... Uh, this is a computer. <laughs> right. Like they didn't... They, they understood how to like type an email and use Word. <laughs> right. But they were focused on budgets and bottom lines and not understanding the stuff that they needed to get done. You I could, could translate go, I your could, message. Yeah, I could walk mm -hmm. easily and seamlessly in between those two worlds. I've always been good at that, too. You're very good at that. and it, But unfortunately, that is not a skill that is highly valued because it's not understood. The people who are – I remember a company that I worked in. I think I've said this on the show before. But the manager there simply believed that like – Anybody could be good at public speaking. All you had to do was just get up the courage and go out there and give it a try. And the more you do it, the better you'd get. Guess what? There are a whole lot of personality yeah. types that will never be good at public speaking. Or maybe they'll be able to do it and do it well, but it will never feel good to them. It will never feel – they'll be able to say, yes, I, I accomplished this task. I got up in front of I a did it, but group I and I did sick. it, but I hated it and I never want to do it again. And but I had I've to take it. a Xanax. Right. <laughs> We talked about the guy that was up on stage yep. with me with the alert fatigue thing that I did at o OpenStack. Wasn't that what it was called? What was it called? Yeah. Conference. Center. Okay. And and the dude was like, like he took multiple Xanaxes. He was making him physically making himself sick. Right. Like a week before. A week before he suddenly got a cold and almost, you know, had to cancel. Well, no, I'll tell you what, your body and mind are connected. And if he dreaded doing it. Your body was like find a way out yeah. <laughs> maybe if i get sick right yeah that'll be a what? great idea guess what hattie i've done that yeah it wasn't about public speaking it was about having to you know go on some kind of business thing that i didn't want to do That's your so body funny. will find a way to keep you from doing it if, if you give into that there are tons of personality types people who will just never want to do that but the manager can't understand that i remember the first time i was supposed to give a talk i sure was nervous but i got through it now i give a talk every two weeks in front of a thousand people but <laughs> right. guess what like you're not going to convert the designer over there who's really good at what she does but just doesn't feel like getting up in front of a thousand right. people and talking. You're not going to be able to pick that software developer over there, you know, who's a genius but doesn't like getting up in front of people. Like, it's just not going to work that way. Yeah, my dad would rather do literally anything on this planet than talk in front of people. Yet my mom, right. she could probably lead a class of a thousand people no problem and on a whim like if you just said okay uh you you're teaching a class on old uh english pottery go like <laughs> she could just do She'd it figure out a way oh, yeah yeah she's good at that and you know it's it's different personality types don't let someone tell you that your personality type is not good or that you should should change it uh -huh. or you should be different why well getting up in front of people and speaking is good for you why well, it'll give you confidence. What if I don't need that to feel confident? Right. I already feel confident. What if I I, my talk. kind of confidence is based on the kind of uh, designs that I do or code that I write or words that I type? What if my kind of confidence comes from, you know, lifting weights and not from being in front of a crowd of people? 
you know, your your personal brand of confidence doesn't necessarily reflect on somebody right. else's. And, and it doesn't connect the same way. And those values are very, very different. And they're different in, in different cultures as well. There's a lot of cultures that highly value not independence, but conformity, that highly value working well within a group as opposed to shining like a diamond. You know, they're very, very different. So depending on where you come from and what you do, those things are rewarded very differently. In, uh, in South Korea, it's a really good example. I was just reading that suicide rates Oh yeah, you told me that. Are this higher morning. in South Korea than anywhere else. Japan's number two. America's like number twelve. We're at the bottom. We're pretty laid back <laughs> compared to South Korea. We are. Yeah. You think of America as like Type A personalities? No, 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 no. No. Go to South Korea. I've been to South Korea. That's and those like if people, you fail, your life is over. At, yeah. And that's failing at anything. Right. <laughs> those people are very, very serious when they set their minds to do something. And I'll tell you what. The pressure on their their young folks there is like nothing you've ever, ever experienced here. The toughest you've ever worked and studied in, in, in something, they are doing that in first grade. And it's really terrible. Their work ethic is insane. It's terrible. And when you look at the way that they are, their, their whole society works, it's all geared at, at that. It's geared at... At them pushing themselves in that way. And so what's interesting is when they're done with work, the way that they bond, there's no bonding at work. There's no camaraderie at work. No. They're not hanging out together, having good They're there time. to complete a task. Right. But then after work, they all go out and they go to bars and they get completely drunk <laughs> on a very regular basis. And they do that because that is the only place and the only way that it is accepted in their society for them to loosen up a little bit, for them to be themselves, right. for them to relax and joke and laugh. Oh, you, they well, don't do they that were, at the water They were cooler. drinking. Right. It's like, well, we are in a bar. We are drinking. It's Friday and Saturday. It's fine right. now. Now it's fine. That's why you have in Japan, you have those little like tiny hotels that are just a tube with a bed in it. Because if you miss the last, this is real. If you miss the last train, you can't get back from wherever you were drinking to wherever you live. So they have these little tubes and I don't know how cheap it's cheap. And you basically can crash and sleep in that tube until, uh, until the morning when you get the next train back and, you know, get changed, go to work or, or go to bed or whatever. And this is real. And the way that the, the pressure that is put on people is just mind boggling. So what can you do about it? Well, a big part of it is we're talking about, I mean, I'm feeling like the theme here is audience. The theme here is understanding the people around you, understanding who you're playing to. If I'm in that meeting and I'm talking to developers, I'm going to communicate in a very, very different way than, uh, than, I, can, uh, than I would communicate to a group of guys in marketing or uh, you know, people who are, uh, who, are, who are doing design or to the people who are making the financial decisions. You have, you can't just, well, I'm myself and no, you can be yourself, but you have to change your delivery. Your delivery must be different everywhere you go in every single situation. If you want to focus on success and that's the next topic, success. Before we do that, I want to tell you about parachute. Oh, parachute. Patty, maybe you should tell us about parachute because well, you're obsessed with parachute. Well, yes. What is parachute? Parachute is uh, online, an online betting. Online betting. It's amazing. So they, they make basically sheets, betting essentials, sheets, comforters, 
duvet covers. Oh, the duvet covers. <laughs> and they have a little motto. And the motto is, great sleep starts with your sheets. They want you to have really comfortable, wonderful, luxurious, amazing, long-lasting sheets on your bed. And this is what their focus is. They made a website that is incredibly straightforward and easy to use. You select the bedding items you want. Boom, delivered direct to your front door. Easy. They got free shipping. They got free returns. And they got a 30-night risk-free guarantee. If you don't like it, NBD, send it back. But I bet you are going to like it. I bet you are going to like it. <laughs> so what, what was this like? How do you went through the whole process? Whole you process, ordered it. Yep. You unboxed it. What the was it like? The unboxing was so nice. How so? What does it delivery uh, uh, look like? The little brown box says parachute and you open it up and inside there is a nice little, each, each of the little bedding things. So like you can get um, the Venice sets or you could get, um, there's lots of things, sheet sets and things like that. But they each come in their own little little bag and I got the linen the linen set, linen Venice set in fog. Fog uh, is a color? Yes. And uh, it came in a nice little linen bag. And oh my gosh, these are the softest sheets. This is the best sleep I've ever had. No joke. I love these. I just, instead of, I had like four sets of sheets and then I had these linen sheets. I just keep washing my linen sheets over and over and just putting them back on my bed <laughs> instead of using my other sheets. So these are getting I nice th- I and warm. I would have thought linen would have been warm. <laughs> no, no. It's it's warm enough like when my AC is just turned way too cold because I like to sleep really cold. <laughs> it keeps me warm enough in in the in that, but it's cool enough to uh, to sleep in in the summer and it's so nice. But they don't just do linen. They do lots of other no, things No, they too, do lots. You know. they if they you don't the, like the, if per- linen spooks you. Percal. I think that's how you say yeah. it. And they also have the sateen. And then they just came out with these really cool new ones. They're the um, chambray and they're, sh- they're chambray sh- sheet sets and duvet sets and they're, uh, they're striped and they're awesome. So go check it out. Parachute, P-A-R-A-C-H-U-T-E, home, parachutehome.com slash quit. And offer code quit. Guess what that'll get you? 25 bucks off your first order. Go and get it. So parachute home.com slash quit and use the code quit for $25 off your first order. Thanks very much, Parachute, for making this show possible. Warren Buffett. You heard about Warren Buffett? Uh, not not anything recently in the news. Do you, but do you know who Warren Buffett is? Yes, he's a money man. He is a, he is a money man. <laughs> that is a good way to say it. Man of the money. Uh, he is, uh, most people think of him as an investor. Uh, that's, I think, I think by pretty much any measure, he would be considered the most successful investor in the world. He is consistently ranked among the world's wealthiest people. In 2008, he was the world's wealthiest person. And recently, I think he's the third wealthiest. Anyway. That's a good title to have. Um, (laughs) he says that he will be giving away 99% of his fortune to philanthropic causes, no. primarily through the Bill Gates uh, Foundation. But even if he gives away 99% of his net worth. Right. Is that still millions? It's, I mean, he's still got millions or billions for his, for, for whatever he needs to, for family or whoever, but he's not leaving them much. Anyway, the, the point of this is, he, he does something that I think is really interesting. I don't know if this is totally true or not. But I read this 
and I'm, I'm trying to remember where I read it. It was probably something Jason Freed of uh, Basecamp, a.k.a. 37 Signals, something that they wrote. I'll look for that. And I'll put it into the show notes. I'll look for it, too. But he says it's, it's about Warren Buffett and how he schedules meetings. I got it. Oh, you found it already? I found it. Uh, so th- here's what they write. If uh, This is how he, he says he never schedules or sets up meetings more than a day in advance. Now, keep in mind, keep in mind, he's Warren Buffett. Right. He can do he can whatever do he wants. Okay, but. Never tell Warren Buffett he should do something. Right. If someone wants to see him, they're told to call and set up the meeting when they can see him tomorrow. So if you want to meet with him next Friday, you call next Thursday and say, can I see Mr. Buffett tomorrow? And Jason Fried writes, I love the simplicity of the rule. I can see you today if you asked me yesterday, but I can't fill out my schedule any further in advance. This way he can determine how he wants to spend his time without the context of the next 24 hours, within the context of the next 24 hours, instead of booking things weeks or months in the future. Now his schedule is relevant instead of prescient. I'm sure many people will say, well, he's Warren Buffett, so he can do that. I just said uh, it. <laughs> yes, he's Warren Buffett, but no one granted him the power to do or say that. He decided that, yes. He decided it when he was Warren Buffett. <laughs> right. But I th- what I like about that is like the 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 whole idea that if you're booking these meetings or these things farther out, I don't know about you, Hattie, but if I book something farther out, a That's, lot of the time, by the time I get to that date, I'm like, oh, I don't really want to do that tomorrow. Or I'm like, oh, why did I book that? Yeah. Tomorrow? I mean, even things I want to do, like how many times have I gotten a phone call when we've been here in the office and I'm like, oh, I made my hair appointment for tomorrow. I don't have time to go because I make it, you know, six weeks in advance and it's, you know, it's like three hour thing. And I'm like, Ugh, don't want to do that because you're in a different state of mind today or this week than you were one, two, three, four weeks ago. I love the idea and the simplicity of scheduling something for a day, in a day, for tomorrow. And the response to that might be, well, I'm only going to be in town on such and such a day. How do I know that I'll have time to see you? But it actually works that way. It actually still works. Because no one else is getting No one else can get ahead of you. Right. (laughs) <laughs> and the sooner that you call on Thursday morning for a Friday meeting, like you're, you know what I mean? Like you're going right, to get you're, in. You're not worrying about that. Oh, he's not going to have enough time to meet with me or whatever. So from now on. I don't know if this is going to work for I'm, me. No, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. How can you? Inf- you can. I yeah. can't do that. Yeah, you can. Well, like this weekend um, or I, I got an email from my vet that Bat needed to go in for his yearly checkup. Bat is your cat. cat yes. Uh, like people don't know. Right. And, um, and there was a little calendar and it said, choose the date that you want to meet. So I was like, you know what? I'll do it this Saturday. Get out of the way. And now I'm doing it this Saturday. And that was a day I did that a day ago. And it's nice because I'm like, it's fresh in my mind. I know I'm not going to forget it. I know that I'm not going to be doing anything else, you know, at 1230. Right. It's, it, it felt nice to just book it as, as soon as possible. Um, Unlike the TSA pre that you and I are trying to Okay, do. yeah. And that's another good thing. In in our constant, it's a great thing that you bring that up. Because one of the things that I'm always trying to do is is make an eat to- Save time. J- maybe it's just because I want to piss off John Roderick. <laughs> but I try to be very, very efficient. I try to- Efficiency pisses John it Roderick does. off? Yes, it really pisses him off. Why? Well, I don't know why. It just does. It just really does. And 
he because I think because he believes that uh, I think he believes that pe- that people should not be efficient. He believes that people should take their time, and and I agree with taking time too. I think you can he take says, your well, time are you and being be efficient. E-? He says, "What are you being efficient for? For what?" Anyway, that's you can listen to to our show called Roadwork. How do you put? Please put Roadwork into the uh, show shall. notes. I believe that making things efficient is important. For example, every morning I make a smoothie. Every morning I make a smoothie. And the smoothie contains some protein powder. It's paleo protein powder. And along with that, I'll put in like half a banana, a bit of avocado, some spinach, you know, some water, other things. But I've got this downward. What I did is after I had made it a few times and I knew how I was making it, I said, okay, I'm making this a certain way. Can I reduce the number? I know this is nerdy. It's not not nerdy. (laughs) Can I reduce the number of steps that it takes and thereby reduce the amount of time and even more importantly, reduce the amount of thought that I need to invest in doing this task? Right. Because if I'm not having to think a lot about oh wait what do i need i gotta put these and where should i put oh, them right i forgot this oh now i need to put that back in the fridge right. like all of that if i was going to say to you hattie approach your car unlock it get in and start it you and and put your seatbelt on you wouldn't have to think about that you've rehearsed it you've done it a million times since you turned 16 you don't need to think about it anymore right. you've got it down there's nothing I could cut out. Nothing of. you can cut out of doing it. <laughs> well, uh, well, maybe there is. Okay. <laughs> Setting my horrible heavy purse down across the seat and then leaning back out and then leaning to get the door again and then closing it and then putting my seatbelt on and then put, like I can minimize that. So what you would say is, well, I should probably grab the handle with my left hand and like <clears throat> the- hold my <laughs> purse in my right hand. And yes, I have mastered that. Open the door and then you sit and I in, lean and across. You right. I can do both at the same time. Yes, I have done that. Sometimes I'll even go around to the other side first. Right. Put my purse and laptop on the passenger seat. Right. Close the door. Then I am. Uh, what am I thinking? Un. What's Unhi- the word? Unhinged. Yeah, I'm unhinged to get into the um, unrestricted. Unrestricted. Yes. So if you were to watch some of the things that I would do while I'm making this smoothie. You might look at it and say, if you, for example, if you came halfway through the process, you would think to yourself, oh, he's not doing this efficiently or he's forgetting to do things or he's like, for example, one of the things that I do is in the, um, in the cupboard above the the stove top, that's where we keep our measuring, uh, our, our, our liquid measure. And you've told me that you've laid out your kitchen in the most effective way, yes. like the coffee cups are right. above the coffee maker. Right. And you've also said you that them. things are where right. you need them, not where you think they should go, but where you wind up needing them. It's always funny when somebody comes over to your house and you watch where they open the cabinet to get the, drink, right. the glasses. You Have you ever watched somebody you, do you that? Just and you're grab like, them no. by the back of the head and smash them against the no. cabinet so they're knocked and rendered unconscious. No, no, more like it's just interesting to see where they think that your glasses should be. And everyone's right. different. It's very, it's just funny. Well, if you just stand in the kitchen as an as a UFO alien being, <laughs> yeah. as a being from another planet, and watched, you would see. So, for example, I keep up in the cupboard up there, I keep the liquid measure. So, I get that out, and I'm going to 
uh, fill it up with uh, mostly water and a little bit of ice, and I'm going to pour that into the uh, in, 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 into the smoothie. Uh, what do you call it? Craft? It's not a craft. A, uh, the mixer thing. <laughs> yeah, the as thing you, you put stuff as you, in. As you would say, the what's it. Yeah, Patty and I talked about that this morning. You, she, you when she's say, searching for a word, uh, the, she will say uh, you know, the, what, the what's, what's it? it. What's it? Or or I was going to uh, what's it? You right. know, I've never it? heard that before. <laughs> for me, and it, maybe this is a different uh, age. Maybe it's a different you know growing up in in a different part of the country. <laughs> yeah. For me, if I'm going to do it, I would say the whachamacallit. But see, I've optimized the word whachamacallit. Mm-hmm. What's it? Mm-hmm. Shorter. So that's more efficient. See, there yeah. you go. Boom. <laughs> and uh, and I will so I will open the cabinet. I will take the measuring cup down. I will bring it over to the fridge where we get our filtered water and ice, and I'll fill it up there. And then I will dump it into the. I'll call it a carafe. I think carafe is safe, and but then, now I need to know what that's called. And then I will put that. If you just Google like Vitamix, and then I will put the measuring cup back up into the cupboard and close the cupboard door. Now, if you saw me doing this and you came in and you saw that I had I had left the cupboard open, that seems like something is incomplete, right? Why did you leave the cupboard open? Wouldn't no. you close it when you're when you're done? Now, if my wife walks down and sees that, she'll close it. She'll close it. Yeah. And then I'll just smash the <laughs> thing right in the cupboard. Just and, like and you do to, with your garage door. Right, and I'll have to stop at the last minute and say, "Whoa." That is error in process. Error, error, abort, <laughs> abort, abort, and I'll just I'll have to walk backwards upstairs, lay back down in the bed, and it Re-sleep start back over the whole six, day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, if you think about it, there is that aspect of like be- because it is way more efficient closing the cupboard and opening it again. You're gonna have to open it again to put it back up there. Oh well, what if you bump your head on the cupboard? Not gonna happen. It's above the stove. You'd have to be seven and a half feet tall to bump bump your head on this thing. <laughs> So you don't have to worry about that. It's not in the way. It looks wrong, though. If you looked at it, it looks wrong. Now, if somebody like a child or my wife enters the kitchen during this process of me doing all these movements, abort, abort, backwards up the stairs, you know, (laughs) but like if if I can have. But the thing is, if I can take over the kitchen for about 90 seconds, I can make this entire smoothie. And be done and even cleaned up in like 90 seconds. Not moving fast, just moving at regular pace. If More nothing like, gets um, in the way. it's uh, It probably looks choreographed. Choreographed. Because it, it is choreographed. You have choreographed it. And I can do this without thinking about what I'm doing. It's just a smooth, efficient process. Yeah, I'm trying to think of what I do. Now, here's the thing, though. If a child gets in the into the machinery. Error. If my wife gets in the machinery, and that happens... That is this process. Right. So what I'll do is I'll just pause where I am. I just pause where I am. Stop. Okay, my wife had to go and get something over there. Pause. And I'll just stand there. Wait for her to complete whatever it is she's doing. Maybe she's got to wash some dishes, whatever. I'll just stand there and wait. Because I've got it like a system. Container. Container. Just called container. Container. I, I think that we as Americans should... Name that something else. Okay. But like there, there is an aspect to this where you can, if, if you find that you're doing these same things every single day, 
where you're like, oh, I went back in that room like six times. Wait, why did I make a trip back and forth? And I see I other, I lot. see people doing this all the time. That like I have, so I have all these little systems down and people would say that it's like OCD, but it's not. It's like, yes, I can function outside of the system. It's just, I know that like doing these things a certain way makes it like, for example, what, you know, where is my, my keys? Where is my wallet? Where are all these other things that I have? I've talked to Merlin about this. Like when he, um, when he opens the mail, he opens it over the recycle bin. So yeah. that, so that he can right away, it's, you don't have something left out. Oh, I got to put that in the recycle bin. You just open it right there and it's done. If you want to never forget to take something, put it where you put your keys, which you need to get on the way out. Yeah, that's always the best idea. You know, and it, it makes things so much easier. And of course, you think it's obvious. All you have to do is just kind of think about this stuff a little tiny bit. Uh, and you will very, very quickly, I think very very quickly find that there is a formula here that you can you can master this formula you can make it very simple you can make it very straightforward it alleviates a lot of stress it alleviates a lot of thought howdy for example if i asked you how did you get to work today what roads did you take where did you turn i'm sure that you could uh you could tell me very clearly how what path you took but when you're doing it especially if it's the same route that you've taken to work 20 times, two times a day, right? For 20 years or something for a long time that you know it and you don't have to think about it. You can well, be, you don't even need to think, oh, I need to turn right here. It just, it just happens. Well, and it's so funny that you say that because um, I drove this, like you said, once I turned 16, I, I had been driving to my high school and there was also before that, my mom, you know, had always driven me to school since the same way because it was on the same road. You could get to it the same way uh, the, to my middle school and to my church. And so everything was on the same road. I knew that road. I knew that right after that sign, time to get in the left-hand lane because yeah. people are turning right. And now after that, immediately right. get into the right-hand lane because the left-hand lane turns into a merge. So you don't want to be a part of that. And then down here, like I could drive that road today completely blindfolded. Right. And- so, but it became, I optimized after being, you know, behind the same red van every mm. time I went, you know what? They, they always are on this road at exactly this time. Like we need to leave before this time in order to get ahead of them. And because they drive too slow and they turn off here and that, all of that. So I think everyone is kind of slowly optimizing if they really think about it, Okay, but optimize more is what I would say. Okay, but here's here's something interesting that happens. I, again, I talked to John Roderick about this, is we've got this lovely little bridge here in town called the Pennybacker <laughs> Bridge. It goes over 360. Uh, there's just as many lanes on the bridge as there are before and after the bridge. There aren't really any entry or exits from the highway there's very close to like the bridge. There's not even like a bump that like makes you, that's like alert, you're going on right, to a bridge. bridge boom, boom, like, right, the bridge doesn't incline up. and decline. No. It's perfectly flat. Yep. You don't even know you're on a bridge necessarily right um and yet there's always this tremendous slowdown around it and the reason why is that people aren't really paying attention no they are they are On surprised autopilot. they are surprised when they reach the bridge oh, whoa, oh I, I, i'm on a bridge they don't think about that it moment even of if surprise. they do it the same way every day hattie right. there's still even even oh, right. in it's the bridge like you know uh, we talk about micro expressions these are micro surprises that <laughs> oh all right here's the bridge i gotta be i gotta do something different on the bridge no you don't not this bridge but uh, then even if you just have one person who has to go over the bridge and they only do it once every month because and maybe they just 
tap their brake. They just, just tap once. their brake just a little bit. Well, then the person behind is like, oh, it's this guy's problem. I better slam like, on my brakes. Right, and then the other <laughs> person slams on it. And then, then all of a sudden you have this horrible yeah. backup. It's because people are really not anticipating. They're, they, they may be paying just enough attention to do the thing that they need to do, but they don't go to that deeper level of really being aware and really anticipating what's going on. There's not awareness. Right. There's just that's uh, just enough attention to not crash <laughs> or to to almost not crash to almost not crash that that reminds me of um in high school I, I turned to my friend she was explaining where she got her new job and I said oh that's kind of near like uh, this um this place I used to go uh, is it past is it past uh and I probably said Something large that is unmistakable, like a giant flag of the United States that's like, you know, just like the biggest like car salesman or like the place with the giant pink gorilla out front or something like that. And she said, oh, I don't know. I don't really pay attention when I drive. Right. She said, I just turn left when I need to turn left. And I'm like, oh, that scared me because I was like, I immediately thought I was like, Everyone out there, that is everyone out there. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, <laughs> that's so scary. We we saw. One, I don't pay attention when I drive. Like she said it. We were driving from the office to lunch. Was that this week? The beginning of the week, and we yeah. saw a person right in front of us get in a car accident. Yep. Right. No, in front that was last week. That was last week. Yep. Right in front of us, get right in a car accident, and it it was it was this. As are, I would think, most car accidents, uh, it was somebody who was trying to turn. Uh, they didn't want to wait for the light or they misjudged how or fast they, they were going. And they hesitated right. or whatever. And one person was like going through and a light was changing. Another person was driving and, it, you know, the, they they had a It was a, a slow collision, but it was still a collision for sure. And, you know, that didn't happen because of uh, a physical malfunction of the car. No. Nope. It happened because someone was failing, failing to pay the correct amount of attention. Yeah. And it's Or to be prepared avoidable. for a surprise. Right. I'm going through an intersection. Something, the lights have just gone from red to green. Mm -hmm. Other people on the other side, because I'm knowledgeable, I know that those people just got a red light because now I have a green. Right. But because people are untrustworthy in the world, now I sound really cynical and sad, they will go through this light mm -hmm. because it was just green. Therefore, right. they think they can make it. Yep. So I need to take extra caution when I'm crossing because they're probably doing something wrong. That's how I drive. Everyone else is doing everything wrong and I need to avoid everyone else. <laughs> I mean... It's it's a tough it's a very tough situation to be in driving on the roads trying to anticipate what other people will do. I I always get a little nervous when the person if I'm driving with someone else if the person driving like looks at me while they're driving. Yeah, I'm like don't look. <laughs> I don't I don't want to say that this is people of a different generation than me, but I see it a lot more with people who are maybe a little bit older than me. Uh, I see it with young people who are just having fun, not paying attention right. too. But like it, it's if you're driving, it's not rude to keep your eyes on the road. That, <laughs> no, you're not no, being it's rude. not rude. <laughs> it's not rude we, to the not make eye contact prefer, with me. Prefer, please don't look at me. Right. <laughs> I don't know what this has to do with work, but 
It's important. It is important. It's all kind of one giant world cohesion. I've got one more thing that, uh, one more topic that I've got. And before I do that, I would like to tell you about our third and final sponsor of the day. It is Quip, not Quit, Quip, Q-U-I-P, Quip.com slash about. And they've got a philosophy. And the philosophy is that the way we work today is dumb. Dumb. That's their word. And I don't disagree. We're drowning in email. We're interrupted by meetings and we're getting nothing done. The former CTO of Facebook and the creator of Google App Engine came together because they knew there was a better way to work and communicate. And it's Quip. Quip is a company that's crazy enough to rethink and then build a productivity suite from the ground up. Why? Because the old tools were built on an old paradigm, on an old technology stack in a non-mobile era. They don't meet the needs of today's teams. They try, but they fail. So stop working dumb, right? We don't have to do it. It's not your fault. It's the tools that you use. Where's that file? What decision was made? Why did the project stall? People spend so much money on all of these tools for these teams, but all they really do is like manage your inbox and you're attending meetings and then it, you wait until you get home to like get the important work done. This is a chronic and frustrating problem. Living documents are the answers. They have obsessed about the intersection, the marriage of communication and content creation. This is nuanced, right? But the result, what they've come up with is magical. When you build a living document with Quip, the content, that's the words, the images, the spreadsheet data, becomes the communication. Clarity prevails. Good decision-making is accelerated and teamwork improves. Over a million users and thousands of teams are using Quip's living documents over email, files, and superfluous chat. Go check it out. Go to quip.com slash quit. Quip.com slash quit to learn more. And we thank Quip very much for their sponsorship of this episode. The last thing, and, and it's funny because the article before turned out to be from Jason Fried about Warren Buffett, but uh, the, the article that I was reading just the other day was, was by Jason Fried. There you go. Also. And apparently this is something that was in their, uh, in their rework book. Oh, okay. And they, apparently they do the stuff on rework and then they, uh, they will occasionally like publish an article from it. And he says, and I don't know what made him think of this one to publish at this time, but he says, how to say you're sorry. And he, I guess he had seen this in an email or something. And the email or the phrase that he's attacking here is, we apologize for any inconvenience this may have caused. And he says, that's not the way to do it. And he goes on to break down, I put this into the show notes, but he goes to break down why this is absolutely not the right way to apologize if you're a company, if you're a person. Why is it, Hattie, why is it so hard for people to apologize? And you know what? It's incredibly hard for men to apologize. They very have done, I'm not hard. saying they've done studies. Yes. This is not just me. It's very, women apologize like. And almost too much. You know, you'll yeah. hear a woman be like, oh, sorry, sorry. When nothing. Nothing actually or happened. Or you'll also hear, and I'm, I'm guilty of this all the time. When someone else does something rude, like doesn't hold a door or something, I'll say, oh, sorry. Right. Just like because I want them to say sorry, right? You know, I, I, I did it. I did a little A/B testing. Oh yeah, in my own home with my wife. Mm-hmm. She had no idea the test was being conducted. <laughs> she still doesn't know. No, she knows. Could we talked about it after I was done the test? But I found that if I apologize for absolutely no reason, 
when <laughs> I just walk when, in I, room. when I don't feel guilty about it or I don't think I've done something wrong, if I just start out by saying I'm sorry, even if it has nothing to do with me. If it's some my kid did something. Or if it's an opinion that you it's have. An opinion, right. <laughs> if I just start out by saying, Oh, you know, I'm sorry. Um, should I, you know, put this away or I'm sorry. See, uh, I already my like shoes that. Are, right. <laughs> that that it, for whatever reason, that makes her immediately be more have a more favorable response. It's because you feel acknowledged. Wow. He said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry means that you you are aware that something that you have done, you're aware of your effect on me and how I might be feeling. That's that's what I think it is. I think that somebody saying they're sorry is is you feeling like you have been acknowledged. Uh Uh-huh. That's what I think. You don't have to even. Here's a tip, guys. I guess ladies, too. But here's the tip, guys. You don't have to feel sorry to say you're sorry. Well, a lot you of times to, women don't feel it either. <laughs> right, that's true. We're you saying I'm sorry because we're angry. You or... need to sound convincing when you say it, but you don't have to mean it the same way that you would. If, okay, so here's an example. Let's say that you're walking down the street. You just got your Starbucks. Mm-hmm. You're carrying your Starbucks and you're holding it one hand. You're reading your phone in the other hand, right? And somebody comes, they're walking toward you. They do not have a phone in their hand or a Starbucks in their hand. They have nothing in their hand and they're walking toward you, paying attention to where they're going and you're not paying attention and you slam into them and spill the hot coffee all over the front of their their jacket Uh and let's just keep it simple and they're not burned. You're not going to get a lawsuit, but (laughs) you know, it spills all over, ruins their jacket, their shirt, whatever. You would say, oh my gosh, oh my God, because it really was your fault you were not paying attention. You were looking at your phone. You were holding your coffee out. Oh my gosh, I am so sorry. That was totally my fault. You wouldn't say it and you should mean it, right? right. <laughs> but if you if you just start by saying to someone, I'm sorry, and you say it with the same conviction, it will work wonders for you, especially when, and they've done this study, especially when you're working with women. Whereas guys... I think they don't like it when you apologize. They don't like it when you apologize and they see an apology. And this is the dumb part as a form of weakness. Yes. Guys feel like taking blame for something or apologizing for something. I can see that some kind of like, uh, like you say, like some kind of form of weakness when it isn't. And you say, well, it takes a big man to take ownership of something and apologize. And that's true. But why, subconsciously, is, it so, why yeah. is it so hard to say you're sorry for a guy when women are saying it when it's not their fault and they weren't even in the room and they walk in? I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Uh, whereas guys are like literally. It would take slamming into somebody and spilling coffee all over. Even right. in that case, you're like, well, you shouldn't have been walking there. I couldn't you see I was walking? You weren't holding anything. You couldn't you see me coming? Right. Your fault. So like if uh, Who's gonna be the weaker one to apologize first? I'm trying to think of other other dumb things that I would apologize for. Like if I set something down on your desk and wasn't thinking about it, you know. Well you you, you wouldn't have to apologize, you'd be fired. There you go. Uh but and if you just, without any anger or anything, if you just set it back on your desk, maybe you were trying to, you know, do something on your desk. Well, I don't know. I would say, oh, sorry. Where I don't know if a man would say the same thing. 
Only if they're being real nice. Super nice. Super nice. Too nice. Weak. <laughs> <laughs> but that's how men see it. But anyway, Jason Fried is talking about this in uh, in 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 a business sense, and he says a good apology accepts responsibility. It has no conditional if phrase attached. We're sorry. If this upset you, I'm sorry that you don't feel like we lived up to our expectations. I'm sorry if there was an inconvenience. No. It, you want to just say, I'm sorry. Just I'm sorry, period. Or I'm <laughs> sorry for causing you that inconvenience. I'm sorry for if, a blank. Not an if. Because an if is a way out. You say, I'm sorry. Make it, make it me. I, that makes I'm me think sorry. Of Lisa Vanderpump. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Not for any inconvenience. I'm sorry I caused this problem. The more you apologize, well, you know, the he more says, you apologize, would, the, easier it gets. the easier it gets. It's true. <laughs> he says the number one principle to keep in mind when you apologize. How would you feel about the apology if you were on the other side? If someone said those words to you, would you believe them? Hattie, I'm so sorry for spilling that coffee all over you. I really didn't mean it. I wasn't paying attention. I'm sorry. You're going to say... Oh, it's all right. It's all right. Don't worry about it. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry if in some way that coffee was an inconvenience to you. It's on your right, shirt. That now. sounds I'm lame. S- I'm so sorry if, if, you know, if our collision or caused you some kind of inconvenience. What, what sounds more, what sounds more like it's coming from the heart? Right. I'm sorry for the inconvenience. Try it. I or, want all of you listening. I'm sorry if this inconvenienced you. Right. It's, Just take out some words. Yeah. Make it simple. The, the more simple an apology is, the better it is. I want all of you guys to go out and do this on your own. Go apologize for something. Apologize for something you didn't do and weren't even involved and with. And just see, right. And just see, it, you know, obviously don't make it ab- absurd. Right. Don't walk into the uh, the office that's across the street and just be like, oh, I'm sorry. Right. People will be like, but just, what? Just try it. I'm sorry. Was that in your way? I'm sorry. Did I leave that there? I'm sorry. Could you hand me that stapler and just see, see what happens? See, I already like that. See, it made you me happy. Me the if I do, I want to give you a stapler. <gasps> anyway, there you go. That's all I got this week, Hattie. What do you got? Nothing. Ready to check out. It is 5 p.m. on a Friday, and we were evacuated. It's 5 p.m. somewhere. Actually, it's 5 p.m. here. Yeah, that's the somewhere. So go and support the show by going to our uh, visiting our sponsors. If you don't like our sponsors, that's okay too. You can go to patreon.com slash five by five. Give us a buck. Give us five bucks, whatever you want. Every little bit helps. Did this show help you? Did we just open your eyes to something amazing and now you're a changed person? Patreon.com slash five by five. Give us a buck. Five bucks, 10 bucks, 50 bucks. $100. You can find Hattie on Twitter at Hattie Bird, H-A-D-D-I-E Bird. And on Instagram. And on Instagram. I am at Dan Benjamin on Twitter and everywhere else. Appreciate you listening. I appreciate your support of this show. And we'll be back. Take care.